So, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Arda, County Limerick. And this, the 10th of March, it's the first Sunday of Lent. Our programme is broadcast, as people know at this stage, on Sacred Space on West Limerick 102 FM local radio at 10am and 11pm each Sunday, and is available for playback and download on Come and See Inspirations.buzzsprout.com. If you open up buzzsprout.com website, you can search for uh, Come and See Inspirations and find us there. And also, of course, all of our programs are up on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. So our podcasting team this uh, this morning, a little bit full at this particular stage, welcome on to the program, uh, as usual, uh, our... our, our <coughs> Our blog editor, uh, and sometimes the poor guy gets a bit of a cough as well, the same as the rest of us. Good morning to you, Shane. How are you? Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Oh, we're good. Thanks a lot for joining us, Shane. Shane, of course, is, is joining us by Skype. Uh, my dear lady wife, Anne, is a, a, a prayer guide here on the programme. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, John. Morning, listeners. And Lorraine Buckley, who shares some kind of cases with us, amongst other things, each week. Good morning to you, Lorraine. Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. And a very special welcome to our guest this morning, first time on the programme, Dr. Jesse Rogers, who I believe teaches uh, Sacred Scripture and Theology in Maynooth. Good morning to you, Jesse. Good morning, John, and good morning, listeners. Thank you very much, Nick, for joining us. Jesse will be helping us to reflect some more on, on Lent in part two of the programme and also share with us some um, reflections on the Gospel for today. So, as usual, our programme today will have some saints for the week. If you little notice, I've just got one to read out this morning, a short little one. And in part two, as I said, our guest, uh, Jesse, will help us to share some thoughts on Lent. If you want to contact us at all during the week, you can do so by texting us on 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. And he thanks all those people who do contact us by text or email, which is on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. You continue to send us in messages of um, encouragement and your prayers, which we appreciate each week. So with this part of the programme, we'll ask Shane to share some saints for the week that we might be we might be commemorating this particular week. I'm not too sure what, what it's like in, in terms of Lent, Shane, but anyway, you'll, you'll, you'll inform us. Yeah, thanks, John. So as you said, uh, so we are celebrating the first week of Lent. So for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week one. And uh, as John said, Lent, or John mentioned in Lent, we don't really commemorate the saints or mem- fully commemorate the saints. They're all kind of downgraded for the for the season because Lent takes precedence. But we still observe who's on the calendar <clears throat> and see who's there. So to the uh, Monday, the 11th of March, is the Feast of St. Angus, associated with County Leash, a place called Clonoc, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, who came to the monastery at Tala. And at the end of the 8th century, and he was renowned for his devotion to foreign and native saints, and he composed what were called two martyrologies, which is a listing of all the saints. He returned to his home place where he became abbot and bishop, and he died 824 AD. Now, we have a run of Irish saints on the calendar this week, because on Tuesday we have St. Mura McFiridach. Uh, Mura McFiridach, even. He was an abbot of Ahanmore, and appointed by St. Columba, and a friend of King Hugh of Ireland. And he was a spiritual teacher of St. Lazarin of, La- of Lachlan. And uh, he was a member of the O'Neill clan and very much associated with County Donegal. And he died in 645 uh, uh, of natural causes. And the interesting thing about it is his relics include his crozier, which is in the National Museum in Dublin. And his bell shrine is in the Wallace Collection in London. 
On Wednesday the 13th, we have the feast day of St. Gerald of Mayo. Now, this is an interesting one. He's Gerald of Mayo, but he's actually an Englishman. He was a monk at Lindisfarne. He was a friend of St. Coleman of Lindisfarne. And then he became a monk at Inish Boffin in 668. Uh, he was abbot at the monastery of Mayo of the Saxons, a house for English monks in Ireland. And he resigned the, from that position in 697. Um, he died in 731 in Galway of natural causes and is buried at Mayo, uh, somewhere in Mayo. That's how it's described, Mayo. You're thinking Mayo was a very small place. But it's described, buried in Mayo. We don't know quite know sure where. Thursday is the feast day of Blessed Philip of Turin. Now, Philip of Turin um, was one of the first people to join Francis of Assisi. Um, he's, he tracked down Francis, became one of the first 12 Franciscans. He was known for his deep understanding of scripture, and he served as the first confessor to the poor players and travelled to preach with St. Francis himself. And he died on uh, the 14th of March in 1246 of natural causes in Perugia in Italy. Then on Friday, we, the 15th of March, we have the feast day of Blessed Anthony of Milan. Now, Anthony of Milan was one of three Franciscans who went to preach in Armenia and to improve the conditions of Christians there. Now, I'm not quite sure... Antony and his companions would be held up as uh, exemplars of ecumenical dialogue somehow, because what they did was, at the time, Armenia was, was predominantly Muslim, and on the first Friday in Lent, the group stood in the street and preached Jesus to the people going to prayers. Now, as anyone that knows anything about Islam, Friday is their Sabbath day. It's kind of like their Sunday. So it probably wasn't the best time in the world. So they did it for three consecutive Fridays, and then on the third Friday, they were arrested uh, a local man tried. A local Muslim man tried to defend them, but uh, he was killed on the spot. And the mob turned on the Franciscans, attacking them with swords, and then eventually killing them. And they have been declared as martyrs. Um, I'm not going to go through where all the bits and pieces were buried, John. It is it is a Sunday morning, and people are having their breakfast. I don't want to. I don't want to put them off their rashes and sausages. <laughs> Finally, then, folks, on Saturday the 16th, we have the feast day of Saint Aban of Kilaban. A contemporary of St. Patrick, he founded Kilaban Abbey in, Lin in Linster and served as its first abbot. And he's associated as with St. Gubnus of Ballyvourney in Ireland. And he died uh, just as 5th century of natural causes. That's all we really know about him. And, of course, the big thing is next Sunday, Sunday week, is the solemnity of St. Patrick, Bishop and Principal Patron of Ireland, known as the Apostle to the Irish. And, of course, we'll be talking about St. Patrick on next week's programme. Interesting thing, John. It's only since 1978 that the Irish have been... Sorry, 74, that the Irish have been entitled to ignore the fact uh, when St. Patrick's Day falls on a Sunday during Lent. Because technically, according to the rules, the Sundays of Lent take precedence over everything else. But, Saint, but we have an exemption that when St. Patrick's Day falls on a Sunday, we're allowed to celebrate the feast day. So I just thought that was an interesting aside. We'll talk about St. Patrick, of course, more next week. Only the Irish could do it. Well done, Shane. Thanks for that bit of information. Just one little bit of information, again, just to bring people, just before Lorraine, Shane, some, um, share some catechesis with us. Um, there were some Lenten reflections recorded in Ada Church here in Carrickerry there a few weeks ago. And starting this Sunday today, actually, 11.30 this morning, uh, 7.30 tomorrow evening, and on Wednesday at half ten again, uh, the first of those programs, those first of those Lenten reflections will be can be heard on EWTN, 
And the first one was conducted uh, or given by Father John Muckler, our own Father John Muckler here in Newcastle West. So that's this morning after this program, 11.30. Tomorrow night, Monday, 7.30pm and Wednesday at 10.30am. And we might just record those uh, just for ourselves and maybe play them back at some other stage. So with this part of the program, Lorraine, you've got some more catechesis for us, please. I do indeed, John. Uh, Today we're going to finish off looking at that section in the Catechism called The Virtues. And that section comes under another section called Man's Vocation, Life in the Spirit. So today we're going to finish looking at the section on the virtues by examining the gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Catechism tells us that the moral life of Christians is sustained by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are permanent dispositions which make a person docile in following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is given to us first through baptism. And from the moment we are baptised, not only do we receive the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, but we're also given these gifts in order that we might be more open to following the Holy Spirit. So we read in the Catechism that the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety and fear of the Lord. They belong in their fullness to Christ, son of David. They complete and perfect the virtues of those who receive them. They make the faithful docile in readily obeying divine inspirations. So let's break that down a little. I'm going to skip over the individual gifts for a moment to look at the gifts as a whole. The Catechism tells us that the gifts of the Holy Spirit belong in their fullness to Christ, Son of David. Now, those gifts of the Holy Spirit are listed in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. And Isaiah lists them as attributes or characteristics of the Messiah, the promised one, the Christ. He says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So when we're baptised, we are baptised into Christ. We become true members of the body of Christ so that what belongs to Christ by nature, as the Son of God, belongs to us through adoption. The letter to the Romans tells us that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. As heirs in Christ, we share in his inheritance. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit belong in their fullness to Christ, but we share in those gifts insofar as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in using them, which in turn makes us more cooperative to the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit is our counsellor, our teacher and our guide as we read in St. John's Gospel. And Psalm 143 tells us that he will lead us on a level path. Frank Blizzard links the gifts of the Holy Spirit to our personal vocation. And remember, we all have a vocation. It's not just priests and religious. Every Christian has a vocation. He says Isaiah 11 vividly portrays what these gifts are to be used for. To do what one is called to do in one's own time and place to advance the kingdom of God, as we've said many times in here in the programme, to bloom where we are planted. The specific personal details of that call do not come into focus until one has realised his very limited, ungodlike place in the scheme of things, and that's fear of the Lord. 
accepted one's role as a member of God's family, and that's piety, and acquired the habit of following the Father's specific directions for living a godly life, which is knowledge. This familiarity with God breeds the strength and the courage needed to confront the evil that one inevitably encounters in one's life, which is fortitude, as we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks, and the cunning to nimbly shift one's strategies to match and even anticipate the many machinations of the enemy, that's counsel. The more one engages in such spiritual warfare, the more one perceives how such skirmishes fit into the big picture that is God's master plan for establishing his reign in this world, which is understanding. And the more confident, skillful and successful one becomes in the conduct of his or her particular vocation, which is wisdom. We're going to look very, very briefly at the individual gifts today and then we might expand on them over the next couple of weeks. So wisdom is both the knowledge of and judgment about divine things. Through wisdom, we come to properly value those things that we believe through faith. So it helps us to order our relationship to the created world, loving creation for the sake of God rather than for its own sake. Understanding is the second gift of the Holy Spirit and, pardon the pun, but people sometimes have the difficulty of understanding how it differs from wisdom. While wisdom is the desire to contemplate the things of God, understanding allows us to grasp, at least in a very limited way, the essence of the truths of the Catholic faith. So it helps us to see God in things. Counsel allows a person to be directed by God in matters necessary for their salvation. So we have the cardinal virtue of prudence, as we saw over the last couple of weeks, and prudence can be, it's a human virtue, so it can be practiced by everyone. But counsel is supernatural. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, because in the Holy Spirit, we are able to judge how best to act, kind of almost by intuition. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. Fortitude is a firmness of mind in doing good and avoiding evil, and particularly when it's difficult or dangerous for us to do so, as we saw. So, While counsel is the perfection of a cardinal virtue, fortitude is both a gift of the Holy Spirit and a cardinal virtue. Knowledge is the ability to correctly judge about matters of faith and right action so that we never wander from the path of justice. In this way, the Holy Spirit is guiding us again to see how we can determine God's purpose for our lives and live them accordingly. So it's not just kind of head knowledge, it's putting that knowledge into practice as well. Piety then is the sixth gift of the Holy Spirit and it's the perfection of the virtue of religion which we looked at last week. While we tend to think of religion today as kind of the external elements of our faith, piety really means the willingness to worship and to serve God. So it takes that willingness beyond a sense of duty and serving God out of love. And here we come to the last gift of the Holy Spirit, which is fear of the Lord, which sounds like a strange one, but it's a filial fear. It's the fear that we might have of a parent, a fear of disappointing rather than a fear of punishment, a fear of being separated. It's a fear of desiring not to offend God in any way. So these gifts, they're given to us by God to help us perfect ourselves in the Christian life, to be more like Christ. 
They serve to perfect the four cardinal or moral virtues, which we've been looking at, prudence, justice, fortitude and temperance, and also the three theological virtues, faith, hope and charity. And when we start living and using these gifts as the Lord desires, they lead to the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, modesty, self-control and chastity. Lorraine, thank you so much for that. So at this part of our programme here on uh, Come and See Inspirations, as usual, each, uh, each Sunday morning, we'll invite Anne to lead us in a spiritual communion prayer. And this is especially for those who could not receive Jesus in Holy Communion this morning. We'll include in our spiritual communion prayer all of, all, all of our listeners and all of their, their friends, their relations, their family, all of you out there who are sick, lonely, housew- housebound or worried in any way. Thanks, Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I now cannot receive you sacramentally. Come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Anne. So our first bit of music there, Lorraine. It is Spirit of the Living God, John.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. This is, my name is John Keeley, so I'll join in studio in the Come and See studio here in Adebay and Lorraine Shanes and the Skype line. And of course, we've got Dr. Jesse Rogers joining us this morning. And um, thank you very much, Nate, uh, Dr. Jesse, for coming to join us. And she, uh, Jesse said she's going to share with us some thoughts on Lent and so on and so forth. Maybe the first thing I might just pose to you, um, Jesse, and then go whatever you want to after that. Um, some people might be asking the question, those um, people who may be not too acquainted with, with the Catholic Church, maybe, what's the purpose of the journey of Lent? What's the purpose of Lent? I, I like the way you asked that question. You said, what's the purpose of the journey of Lent? And I think, I mean, that's exactly what Lent is. It's a journey toward the mystery of Easter. And um, in Godly Play, which is the way I do um, scripture and liturgy, um, it's a program for scripture and liturgy with children. Um, when we talk about Lent, we, we talk about how important it is to get ready to come close to a mystery. And Lent really is a journey to help us get ready for Easter. So that when Easter arrives, it's not like um, it hits us out of the blue we haven't given it a moment's thought, and then it's over before the immense richness of what Easter is about can really, can really penetrate um, our hearts and our minds. And so really, Lent is just a long, slow journey of getting ready, of paying attention, of, um, I'm sure a lot of people who know something about Lent would connect it with penance, you know, people have this idea that Lent is uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a journey where you're, you're trying to get rid of things that get in the way of you being able to listen for and to meet Jesus, particularly at that magnificent time of Easter. So, yeah, so Lent's a journey. Lent's a time for um, getting ready. It's, um, I, I think it's a, it's a very good time to be... Um, to be thinking very carefully and praying about where we are in our lives and where we're going in our lives. Maybe if I can just tell you a little bit about my own discovery of Lent. Yes, please. Um, mm. Because I grew up in a tradition that didn't have Lent. Or we, I didn't even know what Lent was. Um, I grew up in South Africa in um, the Reformed tradition, and back then we didn't celebrate Lent at all. And I can remember um, Easter being something special, but I, as I was saying earlier, I just remember it, it would kind of come and go almost before you noticed it. And um, by the time I came to Ireland 11 years ago, obviously I'd heard of Lent and I, I would have known in theory about a little bit of the practices, but I can remember I was teaching at Mary Immaculate College and um, the first Ash Wednesday, I remember seeing somebody walking past, very immaculately dressed, and thinking, 
didn't they realize that they, they've got a smudge on their forehead? And then fortunately <laughs> not saying anything and seeing a couple of smudges on people's foreheads and thinking, oh my word, I think something important is happening here. And basically I came to Lent, um, as I said at the beginning, being that clueless about what Lent was about, um, having somebody come around on, um, on Ash Wednesday and um, I think I'd cooked, I'd cooked meat, you know. So for me, the, the idea of the, I think a lot of people know the rituals and they know the, um, what one does, but don't really know kind of what, what lies behind it. Well, I came to Lent, as I say, completely clueless and had to learn at the same time what it is that we do, but also what the meaning of it is. And I think it's because I had to kind of work, work quite hard to, to make sense of Lent that um, I now find it such, um, such a rich season or a um, few weeks in the church year. Mm. Um, there's, there's something about that invitation that Lent gives us to slow down, to declutter. I know that's quite a, um, um, a fashionable thing to do. But I know in terms of, like in terms of one's life, um, often there's, it's kind of like there's very little space in our life for God. And I experience that even though on one level, sort of most of my life seems to be about God. You know, I teach um, theology and scripture and I do a lot of that kind of thing. But one can become so busy and so cluttered that there's, there's something... Um, there's something very attractive about what Lent encourages us to do, to stop and think, what can we, how can we make space in our lives? What can we give up? That's kind of how I understand um, the, the giving up piece of Lent. Um, not, not a, it's, it's, it's partly about you want to maybe develop new habits, but it's not about just choosing your favorite thing and saying, I'm not going to eat that for six weeks. But it, it's, yeah, it's kind of finding a way to, to create space in one's life um, for God. So um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's in the past given up things like um, some aspect of social media. Mm. Um, you know, and it, it's, not, it's not just to give up something for the sake of it. It's just really to... To, to create to create space in one's life, so that as you come toward Easter, um, you, you're really preparing to meet God, to meet the Lord in a very in a very special way. I don't know if that makes it does. It does. I, I, you know, I, I like what you mentioned there early on, Jesse, where you mentioned uh, right at the start, it's an ideal time to get to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I assume the way one can do it, one of the ways <clears throat> one can do that is if you go to Mass, for instance, maybe daily Mass or, 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 or Sunday Mass, mm-hmm. but uh, may, maybe pick up the Word of God, maybe get to, mm-hmm. to, to read a few passages, maybe listen into some little links or podcasts that might come on the radio. But, but I like the idea about getting to know Jesus rather than just giving up something. So ways and means you think, uh, I mean, have you had, had any particular ideas yourself on, on how, how to get... Well. My, um, my, I don't know, just want to call it intentions or whatever for, for Lent this year, as I say, that the one thing um, that I've committed to do 
um, is to pray the examine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a um, just each day. Um, I, I, I try around midday, but um, I'm not very good at remembering when exactly midday is. But set a, setting aside a time each day, just a short time, um, to stop, to just thank the Lord for um, for His love. I kind of stop with that for a moment, and then. The, the way I do it is I just say, for what am I most grateful today? Or what has made me feel the most alive? <coughs> and then something comes to mind, and I thank the Lord for it. And then I say, what today? for what today am I least grateful? Or otherwise, what today um, has made me feel like life was draining out of me? And then something comes to mind, and... Um, I just bring that to the Lord. It may be something that um, that I'm just sad about, and then I just tell that to the Lord. If it's something I feel bad about, I might um, ask for forgiveness, whatever it is. But I just spend that few minutes just becoming aware of God's love, um, noticing what I'm grateful for, noticing what I'm not grateful for, or what I'm sorry about, or... Um, disappointed in just bringing it to the Lord and then just saying um, step it going forward Lord um, help me to see what you want me to see and to do what you want me to do and I find it's something I do off and on um, but the reason I've decided to do this for Lent is because it really helps me to make space for to make space for meeting the Lord in a way that's very practical, it's very, um, it's easy to do, and it really does make a difference to how I'm living kind of my everyday life. It's amazing the little things I notice. Um, if I can just maybe just give you one example, which um, fed into um, what I've decided for for Lent is to stop um, kind of checking news headlines. I like to read The Guardian. But I notice when I'm, kind of pray and I said Lord for what am I not you know for what am I least grateful or what do I feel is sapping my life and I realized that you know when I'm reading what the politicians in the world and Brexit and Trump and um, it's just I become discouraged I become frustrated um, in a way that's not it's not empowering me to change the world or to change anything it's just making me frustrated and angry and the little invitation is there during Lent why don't I give up those little habits like checking news headlines too often that do nothing for me except send me into that space where I'm feeling discouraged um, where if I'm going to react to somebody it's probably going to be, you know, a cynical comment about the state of the world. I'm not going to be bringing life and joy and hope to others. Um, yeah, I don't know if that kind of makes sense, but that's one of the things I've decided to do um, individually on my own for, for Lent. And then if I can, something I'm, um, well, the, the first time we'll do it is, is tonight, so I'm not sure how it'll go. But what I'm planning to do um, with the family is um, this thing called Stories of God at Home. Again, it's linked to this way of doing um, scripture with children called Godly Play. 
but it's designed for each each Sunday evening around the table. We'll just take um, a I've got a um, six six images of the life of Jesus, and we just take a bit um, a few lines to remind us of the story, and then around the table we wonder about how our stories link with that story. Um, so, like what we'll be doing um, this evening, the, the first Sunday evening of Mass, is just with the thing. You know, in the beginning, the baby was born and um, the birth of Jesus. And then I'll just say, I wonder if anyone around this table was born. And it'll just open us up to start talking about what what I remember about the kids' births, what the stories that they remember. And it's just a way of linking faith and kind of our everyday family stories just in a way that's very 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 natural but i'm hoping that in that journey that i will be taking as a family in lent it'll just give us a way um to be to be bringing our faith and our everyday um and our stories as a family kind of all together into conversation so that's the kind of thing that i've decided that um that I'm um, committing to for, for Lent. Beautiful. What it reminds me of there again, the thought came to me that you're, you're really opening up the space and, and allowing God to come into that space. And that's maybe yeah. what we sometimes don't do so often, do we? We, we, we? we clutter the space with our own stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I, I love that image that you use of opening the space because I think even in Lent, we can take on, we can decide we're going to do things in Lent that actually might seem very um, disciplined and spiritual, but might actually be putting burdens on us that pull us away from having space for, um, having space for, for God and for others. Um, you know, I can imagine, you know, if, if, we, if we want to be very um, rigid about we're going to do this and not do that, I can, I can imagine it's easy to do that in a way that makes us quite self-absorbed. So we're either proud of ourselves that we haven't managed, you know, to eat anything decent, <laughs> or we're angry with ourselves for, for failing. But it's because we're not thinking about opening spaces for God. What we're doing is thinking about what we're doing and not doing. So ironically, sometimes trying to um, be very diligent about penance during Lent can, can make us quite self-absorbed, which I think is the opposite of the, the Lenten journey that we should be taking. And the other thought that came to my mind there was that experience of maybe opening up during Lent to God, to the Lord, in mm. whatever way it be, and your idea of the exam is beautiful, maybe that can also form part of our daily life from there on in. Yes, um, Lent, because there is something, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a limited period of time, but it's actually long enough to create good habits. And I think that is actually one of the, one of the benefits and one of the gifts of, of Lent is that you, you kind of decide, okay, this is what I'll be doing um, during Lent. But by the time you've done it for six weeks, mm. if it's, if it's something that is life-giving, um, or you know, or something something that's enriching, and some in a way that's helped you either to 
to, to meet with the Lord or it's helped you to be kind of more open um, and noticing others in your family, whatever, whatever it is, you've been doing it long enough if you've been more or less faithful at it so that it can actually start becoming a habit. Um, I, I would hope that from one Lent to the next, it's not like we're kind of back at square one. Mm. You know, we're, we're building we're constantly uh, building on our journey. And I suppose, you know, maybe just one final thought too, that there are going to be times because we're human when, as you said, you might forget it's midday, your clock might be working correctly uh, and you might forget that examiner prayer, but that's okay. I mean... Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that's what I was saying about the... about Lent not being about us. You know, so if if, if I forget something or if I... If I give in to my craving for chocolate or whatever, um, I, I think anything that's going to kind of force, sort of make me look at myself, whether it's in pride or in beating myself up and take my eyes off the Lord, that's not the right response. So yes, when, you know, we, we do it more or less well and we thank the Lord for giving us the strength and when we, when we, we break whatever our, our Lenten commitment was, it's just get back on the saddle and, you know, just, and just get, yeah. <laughs> and maybe a good way of doing that, you know, maybe just one final thought there is maybe ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Rather Absolutely. Than, even, mm. even I would say in knowing what it is that we should be giving up or taking on or being open is, is actually, you know, ask, ask the Holy Spirit, you know, Give me the, give me the idea. Give me the, the, the little flash of inspiration, and then, of course, once you have that, to act on it, um, and and to take the step. Dr. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing those thoughts with us. Are you going to stay with us for the gospel reflection, please? Yep. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. So, in the meantime, we're going for our second piece of music, and this one is entitled "The Lenten Song," sung by Michael John Poria. So, let's hear this.
back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Still joining in studio here by Anne Lorraine. Uh, Shane is on the other in Skype line and uh, Dr. Jesse Rogers is still staying with us for the Gospel Reflection. So this part of the programme is where we read and reflect on the Word of God and the Sunday Gospel and before that we'll invite Anne to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let's not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but we may give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Anne. So, now we'll have the Gospel, read the Gospel for today, the first Sunday in Lent, and this is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 1 to 13, and Shane might share that with us. Thanks, Shane. <clears throat> Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit through the wilderness, being tempted there by the devil for 40 days. During that time he ate nothing, and at the end he was hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to turn into a loaf. But Jesus replied, Scripture says man does not live on bread alone. Then leading him to a height, the devil showed him in a moment of time all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all this power and the glory of these kingdoms, for it has been committed to me, and I give it to anyone I choose. Worship me then, and it shall all be yours. But Jesus answered him, Scripture says, You must worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then he led him to Jerusalem and made him stand on the parapet of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said to him, Throw yourself down from here, for Scripture says, He will put his angels in charge of you to guard you, and again they will hold you on their hands in case you hurt your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, It has been said, you must not put the Lord your God to the test. Having exhausted all these ways of tempting him, the devil left him to return at the appointed time. Thank you for that, Shane. So that's the Gospel for today, the first Sunday in Lent. Jesse, have you got a few thoughts you might share with us on the Gospel, please? It's very interesting at the beginning of the Gospel, 
that um, we're told that it's when Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit that he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness and there he's tempted by, um, by the devil for 40 days. Um, I, would, I would almost have expected that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, doesn't that mean that you, you're led into green pastures and that there's no temptation, that there's no difficulty? But no, the Gospel tells us that the Holy Spirit actually is the one who led Jesus into the wilderness. And that means that these temptations and the struggle that Jesus has there is actually part of God's, God's plan for him. Um, th- this gospel happens when um, Jesus has just been baptized and he's about to start his public ministry. And so we see here, I guess, that there's something about this temptation and the struggle that Jesus goes through that actually is part of what is preparing him <coughs> to be able to do the work that God has called him to do. So um, that, really, that really strikes me. And, and also just the nature of temptation. Um, I, when, I think, when I think of temptation, I would again kind of expect it to be... Um, Everything that's weak or that's wrong about me is where um, the opening would come for for me to be tempted. And yet here, Jesus, um, the the one whom the one who is God's beloved Son, the one in whom there is no sin, is being tempted. And I, I, it's a genuine it's a genuine thing that's happening to Jesus. And and that really makes it clear to me that. Temptation, the, 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 the call to go away from um, God's will for us and God's invitation to us can actually speak to a part of us that, that's not in itself wrong or sinful. I don't know if that, um, I don't know if that makes, makes sense, but it, these, are, these are good, good drives and um, good hopes and fears that Jesus has and yet he has to say no to some things so that he's able to say yes to to what God is calling him to do and so there's something very interesting going on there about um, yeah about Jesus being tempted must mean that when I'm tempted it could also be um, not the not the sinful parts of me that are being um, kind of the, that that are, that, uh, that the tempter is able to hook into. Mm. Um, and then when I look at the kind of temptations that Jesus has, it's it's all about Jesus choosing: um, is he going to is he going to live and do his ministry God's way? Or is he going to do it um, his own way, as in his 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 way without listening to his father? Um, I, I can't help but be struck by the way at, toward the end, um, Satan and or the devil and Jesus are actually both quoting scripture. Um, as somebody who who makes my life and teaching scripture, it's 
it's quite scary to see how the tempter can quote words of scripture um, and but actually be misquoting them because people can even use the word of God to distance themselves and other people from God. Um, but Jesus is able to see through all of that. Thank you very much for that, uh, Jesse. Shane, are we going to sort it too? We've got about three minutes left, three or four. Yeah, no problem, John. Um, a bit like Jesse, reflecting on, on this week's gospel, I suppose one of the things with Lent is that in the lectionary, the gospels are very familiar year on year. So obviously, for the first Sunday of Lent, we hear of the temptation in, in the in the desert. It's either from Matthew or from Luke. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and Luke's account, I found, like Jesse, the first thing that struck me actually was that line at the beginning. You know, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for me, I think, linking back to Jesse's reflection in the second part of the program, that's what Lent could be about if we only make the space that we are led and allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit into wilderness places so that we can hear very much the still small voice of God in our lives. Because, of course, the great thing, you know, the, 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 the symbols of, of, of Lent, if you like, in Scripture, we have Jesus goes for 40 days into the desert, the, the sim- symbolism of 40 days linking to the 40 years of the Israelites traveling across the desert coming from Egypt, has great symbolism in terms of, 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 of Scripture. And, um, you know, that whole idea of Israel is not its true self until it goes and seeks God in the desert. Um, so that whole idea that we maybe, you know, Lent is a desert time for us, like Jesse said, maybe turn off the, the, the social media or disconnect maybe from the Netflix a small bit, just to give ourselves that small bit of breathing space. Um, the other thing that struck me about it this year, and I don't know why, but reading through the temptations this year, and I was struck very much that they're very human, um, if you like, and very much stress the humanity of Jesus. Um, I, 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 won't, I won't go into how I, where my thought process was going from that, but in, uh, without confusing people this morning, but in terms of we believe that Jesus was both God, was both divine and human. And in the temptations, we see his humanity put before us because he could have responded to Satan or the devil and said, well, you know, I will make this bread. But he embraces the hunger, if you like, because he was undergoing this process of pre- preparation for the ministry that his father had called him to do. You know, he didn't react to the invitation to power, uh, which the devil presented. So that's, that's not something, you know, that's very easy for us to put aside. It appeals very much to our, our basic needs, if you like. Hunger, control, power in our lives. Very human emotions. But I think, you know, I think it was Paul that said Christ was like us in all things except sin. So he knew what it was to be tempted. And that's what Luke and Matthew, I suppose, are trying to get across to us. Um... And what that said to me was just, it was kind of an encouragement to enter into Lent because it's a time, it, it, Lent, is not for, Lent is not designed for the perfect, you know, and we are a church of sinners seeking God. There's that, or, you know, we, we, are, we are sinners who are called to be saints, if you like. 
And Lent is that opportunity for us to be able to recognize that within ourselves, but also the quid pro quo of it is also to recognize the divine that's in each of us because we are brothers and sisters of Christ by our baptism. And that's just something, you know, something for, for us to, 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 to think about. The third temptation was, you know, this idea that Jesus rejects the view that his divine sonship gives him kind of a special protection. And as, as, as we reflected on the second part of the program, you know, we know his ultimate rejection of that was to embrace the cross. So, you know, he, Luke presents, Luke's, Luke's account in the gospel always presents itself as a journey towards Jerusalem and Calvary. And Christ, Jesus has embraced that, you know. And <clears throat> it's a challenge for us because it's not that easy to accept the things that come our way sometimes in life that might be out of our control. Be those maybe sickness or disability or loneliness or um, death or bereavement. But one of the things I suppose that maybe we could reflect on is that while not being Pollyannish about it and saying kind of offer it up, but also to go through the journey of that pain because Jesus has gone through the journey of that pain. And we've, we've, used, we've used the analogy before on the program that, you know, Christ opened his arms on the cross to embrace the whole world and to embrace the whole cosmos, to embrace us in our very being, in our very selves, in the mess of our lives that we have. And as we start out, I suppose, on this Lenten journey, um, it's a good reminder to us looking at these human temptations and knowing Yes, Christ walks with us because he has been there before us. Shane, thank you so much for that. We're, we're right out of time now at the moment. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Dr. Jesse, for coming to join us this morning. Thank you for having me. And maybe you might come on again and join us again sometime. I'd love to. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Shane, for, for sharing with us. Thanks, John. And Anne, thank you very much indeed. We'll, we'll play a short little piece of the last music, and this one is uh, entitled Come Back to Me by Gregory Norbert. So next week, where we have a special St. Patrick's Day programme. God bless you all now. Bye. 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 Thank you.